welcome to the new reality edition of Bite Marks Cafe right here on Hawaii Public Radio, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum, and today we're going to catch up with David Miyashiro. He's the executive director over at a nonprofit called Hawaii Kids Can, and we're going to go find out find out about a program that he's launching called Hawaii Tutoring Plus. And I want to welcome you, David, back to Bite Marks Cafe. Aloha, Bert. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And uh, I guess it's been a little while since I've had you on, but uh, I know we've had you on a number of occasions talking about Hawaii Kids Can and, you know, computer science and education and things like uh, um, Wi-Fi on wheels. I mean, there's a a myriad of things that uh, you've been involved in and our paths have crossed uh, on, on multiple, multiple occasions. But... Why don't, we, why don't we do a little bit of a catch-up for folks that may not be familiar with Hawaii Kids Can. What, what exactly is uh, that um, organization, organization and, and are you uh, part of a, a larger national organization, and, and what do you do specifically in Hawaii? Thanks, Bert. Yes, it's been, a, it's been a wild ride for all of us, especially the work we've done together through the pandemic. But uh, Hawaii Kids Can is... It's actually a nonprofit that I had a chance to start back in 2017. So folks can go to hawaiikidscan.org. I'm actually a former uh, public school teacher, and so really was fascinated and excited to try to tackle education from the policy realm. So I'm part of the broader 50CAN network, which is across, I believe, 12 other states in the country. And so uh, really pushing for better educational opportunities for our kids so they can afford to survive and thrive here in Hawaii long uh, after I'm gone. <laughs> well, you know, David, uh, I know one of the first things that uh, you and I kind of got involved in was working with uh, your organization and, and code.org and and looking at uh, getting some policy uh, established with uh, mm-hmm. our legislature for establishing computer science in education. And, and that happened, what, back? That was pre-pandemic time, right? Back 2017, 2018, so I feel yeah. like I've been talking about this for a while. <laughs> and and how how has that sort of manifested itself in in actual kind of curriculum? So you know, it's interesting. Back in you know what we referenced, 2017, 2018, I was really uh, excited about the opportunity for more Hawaii kids to learn foundational computer science skills. So mm-hmm. yes, things like coding, but also includes uh, concepts like cybersecurity, robotics, uh, digital literacy. And so, you know, back then, I felt like we were evangelists for more kids having that kind of technological, uh, you know, basis of skills. And I think only since then, right, we've seen uh, really the justification speak for itself. We had a worldwide pandemic, which forced, you know, folks to learn and work remotely. Uh, We've had the impact of AI, which has grown exponentially Mm -hmm. and has had a huge impact on our education system. So I I think now uh, the cat is out of the bag in terms of why this matters. And I think the Hawaii DOE and and a lot of our schools have done a great job trying to keep up with those trends. Well, and and not to mention a lot of uh, data analytics has gone into understanding, you know, the the progress of the pandemic and, and how, you know, any any disaster oriented uh, situation gets mitigated only if you know what the what the data tells you. Mm-hmm. And so, well, I mean, you have kids doing great projects now where they're using data science and AI and sensors to really look at you know things from 
how can we uh, you know have better and safer transportation in our state to how do we use technology to augment uh, agriculture right and some mm-hmm. of these ancient mm-hmm. practices and uh, really make sure that everything is sustainable and, and high tech so I think the application for kids in Hawaii specifically is you know it's uh, unlimited which is exciting are you are you seeing uh teachers and and schools sort of embrace this idea of computer science and and I like the fact that you've described cons- computer science not from an academic standpoint but from a more of a functional standpoint because it does embrace a lot of different topics I mean everything from like you said uh, it could be coding on one end of the spectrum and it could be just you know just computational thinking just thinking logically is part of computer science how has the schools started to embrace this now you know, that there is this, uh, I don't know, let's call it a, a requirement, a mandate to mm-hmm. incorporate computer science in education. It's been amazing. You know, it's funny, back, I think, in 2018, my first computer science class I got to visit mm-hmm. was a class at Campbell High School, and the kids were actually uh, writing and recording their own songs, um, you know, all through coding. And so a lot of the classes I've had a chance to observe uh, and see teachers like Celeste Endo, you know, they're using mm-hmm. computer science as a way to engage kids with things that they like already. So music, you know, game design, uh, you know, mo'olelo storytelling. I, so I think that's the part that, to me, has the most promise, is it's not, it's not boring at all, and it's not solitary. It's creative, and it's, you know, it's engaging. So I, I think that's something we've seen really take hold across the state, and more teachers are learning from each other and going and uh, you know, participating in programs with nonprofits like STEMWorks and Code.org. So I, I think it's really um, only going to pick up in the next couple of years. So I think the question is, how do we make sure our offerings are equitable and they're accessible? So not just is a school offering computer science, but, you know, do we have, you know, gender balance, right? Do we mm-hmm. make sure that um, more of our Native Hawaiian students, Pacific Islander students are having chances to engage with those kinds of programs and courses as well. So I think that's, that's going to be the kind of harder mile to, to get through, but I think we're, we're on track to do that. And so really the point you're making is that this is not, uh, on one hand, it's not an elective, so it's not uh, something that only uh, a select few can, can choose to participate in. But on the other hand, you know, you don't want to make it like it's a, f- a forced thing, but you want to make it so that it's it's uh, inclusive and inviting for all, uh, you know, of the student body to to participate in. So there is a, a mm-hmm. an interesting balance to make sure that it is inclusive. Uh, you don't want to force anybody to have to do it, but at the same time, you want to have everybody get the benefit of of this particular um, you know line of study. It's interesting. I had a. Um a colleague who is based out of California, and her daughter goes to an all-girls school, and they have computer science as a requirement. And and what she shared is her daughter was really intimidated because she just frankly hasn't, you know, interacted with many women in kind of the tech, uh, the, the the STEM or tech careers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she said what made it so powerful is everybody was, you know, kind of learning together and on the same page, and she did pretty well, it seems. So. You know, it, it showed her that she could do this, right, if it's something that she wanted to do. And so, um, you know, sometimes taking away the stigma uh, and mainstreaming uh, a concept like computer science, I think that's so important for making sure you address some of those sticky gaps 
And and I honestly think, you know, I'm somebody who has a kid who's who just turned uh, three last month. Mm-hmm. And when I think about the kinds of things he'll be encountering and expected to do by the time that he graduates from high school, I mean, it's inconceivable to me that computer science won't be as fundamental as reading writing and arithmetic because it's going to impact every single aspect of his life for for better or worse right and so i think that's really what the board of education the department of education the legislature and groups like hawaii kids can are really grappling with which is you know what is that kind of that expectation for kids when they graduate and how do we keep up because things are moving so fast yeah you know i do want to ask you a little bit about how uh the what the perception of just the the term computer science is taken and is that uh somewhat um uh i don't know does it does it isolate or f- create a sense of oh i'm not you know capable of doing computer science uh within students right so that it it sort of excludes some that might have a little bit of fear so i i do want to kind of talk through some of that and and is there is there some way of making it a little bit more, uh, I guess, maybe friendly. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> what do we, well, let's hold that thought. We'll okay. be right back after this short break to continue our conversation with David Miyashiro, Executive Director of Hawaii Kids Can. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Ulupono Initiative. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe right here on Hawaii Public Radio. I'm Bert Lum. If you're just joining us, we're talking to David Miyashiro. He's the executive director at Hawaii Kids Can, and we're talking about a bunch of projects that, uh, you know, his he and his nonprofit have been involved in, and and we're going to get to uh, Hawaii Tutoring Plus and the Computer Science Task Force. But you know, right before the break, uh, we're sort of toying with the the term, you know, computer science, and and that's been pretty much the uh, f- field of study that I think um, you know has been introduced to sort of the K to K through twelve environment. And of course, if you're in in college, university, I mean, uh, computer science has a certain kind of connotation. At the at the K through twelve level, David, um, how do you how do you make computer science sound less intimidating or less uh, elitist? You know, when you want to make it attractive to all members of the student body. Now that that's a, a massively important task uh, to tackle. So what I would direct folks to is um, the Computer Science Teachers Association, which is a national organization. Um, put together a, frame, a framework of K-12 standards. And fortunately, I believe back in 2018, the Hawaii Board of Education adopted those standards for Hawaii schools. Mm-hmm. So it kind of breaks it down to five core concepts. They have computing systems, networks and the Internet, data and analysis, algorithms and programming, and lastly, impacts of computing. And what I think is so brilliant is they break it down by grade level. You can see what does that mean Right for the little guys, all the way up to folks who are about to walk across the stage and graduate. So, mm-hmm. for example, uh, for K through second grade, uh, one of the standards is around cybersecurity, and it's simply explain what passwords are and why we use them, and use strong passwords to protect devices and information from unauthorized access. Mm-hmm. Right, and so when you think about digital literacy, computer science, a lot of it starts 
as basic as that, right? Like, how do you protect yourself when you're engaging with technology? And so I think what's smart is, again, it breaks it down in a developmentally appropriate way so that you can see how that path, that goes all the way up to, you know, kids who want to work in cybersecurity professionally, right? But it starts at those early ages. And what is the uh, sort of reference document that, that the Computer Science uh, Teachers Association kind of refers to when you, st- when you talk about the five, sort of these five uh, key branches? So they developed it um, with a number of educators and industry professionals. So anybody listening who's interested in checking it out, if you look up CSPA K-12 standards, um, it's pretty easy to find those standards, download them, you know, look at what does it mean uh, across the the different grade levels. And again, I think it's a really user-friendly way to understand and wrap your head around. When we talk about computer science, it truly is the umbrella for kind of, uh, you know, a broader set of computational, you know, thinking skills mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. well as engaging with hardware and software. Okay, that's really good. And, and you know, uh, this is uh, an area that I think is, is pretty wide open, and, and I'm, I'm glad the, uh, the DOE is, is, you know, heading, heading head first into it, and, and uh, both David and I have been a part of a uh, computer science task force uh, to make some recommendations to the Board of Education, and, and, and maybe we'll get into a little bit of that. But, but David, I do want to get uh, to sort of the, the, the meat of the topic of the show, which I wanted to uh, get you to share the genesis of this uh, program or this project that you're working on called Hawaii Tutoring. Uh, and, and I know it started uh, basically in 2023, but what's the, what's the genesis of, of that particular project? You know, it, a lot of it came out of thinking about what does it mean to have digital equity? Mm-hmm. And I think what I landed on um, after talking to you know, folks in industry as well as kids and parents is that digital equity is really the highway, right? It's the road. And then along that road, you want destinations, right? So it's, one destination might be watching a show on Netflix, but another destination might be working remotely, mm-hmm. right? Another mm-hmm. one might be high-quality tutoring or online classes, right? Or any number of things. And I think that's the point that really launched Hawaii Tutoring was it was an idea that, you know, as we're promoting digital equity and broadband access and, de- and access to devices, a big part of that is it's helping folks solve problems that maybe they've had difficulty solving before for whatever reason, right? Not every community has a kumon around every corner or teachers who are able to take the time off to tutor, but there are some amazing high-quality programs out there where you can get that personalized tutoring through a device, mm-hmm. right? And that's really what Hawaii Tutoring uh, was focused on. And, and what are the resources that you need to really launch something called Hawaii Tutoring? I mean, are you uh, creating a, a sort of... Um, matchmaking environment for students to find tutors or how how does it actually work and and what what uh, service are you offering what problem are you solving so for us we focused on quality first so for for me that meant finding a great partner who can help deliver the tutoring and we found one um, called air tutors mm-hmm. and they're uh, an approved vendor in the Hawaii DOE system. You know, they've recently been approved in a number of states, uh, uh, such as New Mexico and Connecticut, uh, and they offer high-quality, high-dosage tutoring. So what that means is that it's not 
you know, homework help where if you need help, jump on Zoom between 5 and 6 p.m. and whoever's there might help you. But it's a tutor with a name who is going to come back to you, you know, every week and make sure that you're on track, right? It's like a personal trainer. It's mm-hmm. not you're just going to mm-hmm. walk in and whatever is happening is happening. But they know that kid and they build strong uh, relationships with them, which I think keeps the kids coming back as well. So uh, Air Tutors does a great job of delivering that high-quality content. And then we're the boots on the ground to make sure that families are aware of those offerings. And so we've had uh, families across three different islands, you know, over 60 different students participate on 260-something sessions that are about, you know, anywhere between 30 minutes to 60 minutes long. And so really we wanted to make, make sure that even if that student didn't have access to high-quality tutoring in their community, that they could still get it through, uh, uh, you know, our Hawaii tutoring program. And, you know, this was uh, uh, an idea that you had. And did um, what was it that uh, really helped to get it started? How did you sort of get the resources needed to test out this, this uh, sort of prototype? So if, if quality was our number one priority, um, accessibility was number two. So making sure that as families signed up, uh, they didn't have to worry about paying a dime. Mm-hmm. And so we are very, very fortunate. We had an early funder uh, through Spectrum, which supported us through a digital education grant. That really enabled us to build our, you know, secure our partnerships, launch our website, start signing folks up. Then we've had great partners such as Kamehameha Schools, the Nakapuna Foundation, uh, Hawaiian Telecom, that have all come in and supported this program. And we know that uh, the need is, is out there. <laughs> we've, you know, the most heartbreaking part is you know, as we're waiting for our grants to come in, sometimes there's a little bit of a lull in mm-hmm. what you can offer. And you have families that are eager. They have kids who need help right away. Uh, but, you know, again, we wanted to make sure this is a program we could offer through grants for free um, so that families can really maximize that benefit. And and so, David, you know, the, the equation, you know, you got air tutoring and, and they're providing the, the tutoring resource. You got, you got students, you got families who are, wanting this service and I, I do want to explore how did you find those i mean you're just you know you're you're here on on oahu you've uh, got a nonprofit. i mean and you're now working with uh families across the state how did you find the right kind of mix of people in 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 need of these kinds of services and and actually build that confidence that you had a a solution for that so we want to hold that one hold that thought too and uh, we'll be right back at the short break to continue our conversation with david miyashiro executive director at hawaii kids can and we're talking about hawaii tutoring this is bite marks cafe Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Honolulu Waldorf School and Nohea Gallery. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum, right here on Hawaii Public Radio. And of course, uh, we're joined by David Miyashiro, and he's the executive director over at Hawaii Kids Can. We're talking about a program, a project that he uh, developed called Hawaii Tutoring. And, you know, right before the break, uh, uh, David, I was trying to figure out, you've got this great idea. You've got uh, an identified uh, provider of the service. You've got the resources in terms of maybe setting up the website and, and creating the the, the uh, program foundation, how do you find the families that are now participating on receiving some of these tutoring services and, 
And how did you convince them that this was something that they they needed and, and uh, kind of build the trust that, you know, this is a service that would uh, help benefit them? You know, uh, in many ways, it's amazing that uh, so many families found us. I think when you survey parents across the state, as well as across the country, access to high-quality tutoring is always in the, the top three or five uh, you know, er- areas of need and want. You know, families, I think the, the research behind the benefits of high-quality tutoring kind mm-hmm. of speak for themselves in terms of helping kids catch up. And so I think parents are very opportunistic and, and eager and proactive in looking what's out there. Uh, but also, you know, we've been an organization that's been around since 2017. You know, we worked with a bunch of different community school and nonprofit partners. So mm-hmm. schools like Kamile Academy and Waianae, for example, um, you know, they are looking for support with tutoring. And so we already were able to anchor a lot of the stuff that we did to schools or, or those community organizations, really trying to get the word out that way. Mm-hmm. And and uh, do you have any uh, um, a presence on the neighbor islands as well? Yes, we do. So we've had three uh, islands all together, um, and I think we had a big island and Maui um, uh, also participate. And again, that's through a lot of the partnerships we've built over time. But what's amazing is, again, if you, if you think about the digital equity uh, roadway mm-hmm. or highway, mm-hmm. so many of these partnerships were also uh, enabled through uh, kind of remote connections, right? Zooming <laughs> with different folks in the community and trying to share what we're doing. So, you know, if, I, if, if you added up all the flights we would have had to take just to be able to get this thing off the ground, I think this project would not be possible without some form of digital equity and technology. And so, David, you know, the uh, what what kinds of subjects are being tutored? I mean, you know, we're, we started off talking about computer science, but for students that are interested in getting tutored, it could be anything, right? I mean, what what is the is it is it a language tutoring? Is it math tutoring? Is it social social science? What is what is the subject matter? So what we found is uh, folks are kind of interested in the basics. So support with reading, uh, support with ELA, English language arts, mm-hmm. math, um, SAT tutoring, things like that. So I think again, um, unfortunately one of the impacts that we've seen since the pandemic is a concept such as learning loss. And so kids kind of getting knocked off track a bit um, just from all the chaos and and challenges of that time. And Mm -hmm. so I think a lot of parents are aware that their kids need a little bit of extra help just to, you know, not just keep up, but get, get, get ahead. And so I think that's really where we saw so many families excited for the opportunity for their kids to, to have somebody who can, Give them that individualized support in those key uh, academic courses. And and David, you got a uh, some some promotional events coming up that uh, if people are interested in finding out uh, you know some of the details of Hawaii tutoring, uh, that's taking place in the very near future, right? Yeah, so we're actually going to be starting a roadshow <laughs> across oh. multiple islands. That's uh-huh. the plan. Is so we're going to try to be everywhere and really share about some of the benefits. Um, so we have a couple of things kicking off. One is actually this Saturday. Um, so folks on the Windward side will be at Windward Mall from 1 to 4. Uh, we're actually helping to host the first K-12 Parent and School Expo. And so we have uh, just about 40 different schools and educational organizations, including Hawaii Kids Can, uh, that are going to be there sharing about some of the amazing things that kids can have access to this year. So that'll be one, and then we'll we'll be at some other ones, including 
um, some in partnership with programs at the um, John A. Burns of Medicine. So uh, stay tuned. Go to hawaiitutoring.org and make sure you're in the loop because uh, hopefully we'll be coming to a town near you. And, and David, you know, the, just to kind of get a little bit of background on this uh, computer science and education and the computer science task force, uh, that's going on right now. You and I are both kind of involved with it. What is the, what is the aim of the task force? So this is actually, it goes a little bit back to last year. Um, one of the bills that we supported last session was HB 503. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that it did was it really kind of required this broader conversation around graduation requirements. And I think what's been really, uh, I think, exciting to me is that, yes, computer science is one of the hot topics being discussed, but so are big topics like financial literacy and civic engagement. Mm-hmm. So I think what you're, what I'm, I expect to see is that, you know, folks are looking ahead. Like I said, thinking about those kids, maybe they're going to graduate in 2050. Um, and civic engagement, financial literacy, computer science, I mean, I think just from a common sense perspective, you can make an argument for how those are, again, fundamental things that we would want our kids to feel prepared for, just given where the world is going to be at that time. So I think, again, computer science is one of those task force. We also we also have financial literacy and the civic engagement task force. So there's going to be a lot happening over the next three to four months. So, so definitely stay tuned. And the aim for those task force are basically the come together, kind of get some brainstorming going and and come up with some recommendations to the the Board of Education, right? Exactly. So, you know, again, if we take those three big topics, right now they've they've mostly been on the outskirts. As much as everybody agrees, those are three things that are really important, right? They're, they're, They're not really built into our requirements, our schedules, the same way that you have, you know, your reading and writing and math, right? And so how... Do we fit them in? You, you know, what are some different options that we have? I know some other states are sometimes using um, hybrid approaches, where maybe you could use technology in a music class or an art class and kind of get double credit for that. And so, um, you know, obviously we have to let the task force do its thing and, and see where it goes. But I'm hoping that at the end of the day, every kid will have some sort of computer science experience by the time that they graduate. And they look really different. It may be a gaming class for one kid maybe hardcore coding for another, and maybe, you know, uh, grappling with AI and, and design and art. But in some form, I'm really hoping that every kid will have that opportunity. Now, you know, this is probably a question for probably a whole nother show, but uh, with all the background that, you know, I think cons- computer science and, and some of the di- disciplines that are uh, encompassed by it, uh, there's got to be the jobs, right? And and uh, is your feeling mm-hmm. that all the jobs that are coming up in the 21st century are going to require these these foundational uh, skill sets? I mean, I think that's that's the the question everybody is facing. But uh, again, uh, organizations like Code.org have have crunched the numbers. There are jobs out there, thousands of jobs in Hawaii, where companies are looking for folks with those computer science skills, whether or not it's data science or cybersecurity, or even some experience with AI, they're out there, um, but we're not able to hire enough local graduates to do that work. And so you'll hear companies like, uh, say, Hawaiian Airlines, when they're trying to fill some of their IT team, they may have to go outside the state and recruit and bring some of those folks back. Well, I think we have incredibly smart and great kids right here in Hawaii, 
Now I want to make sure that they can compete with any of those jobs when they open up. Hey, David. And it's a way to keep them here. So where can people find out more about uh, Hawaii Kids Can and Hawaii Tutoring? So if you want to check out Hawaii Kids Can, go to hawaiikidscan.org or go to hawaiitutoring.org. Very good. David Mirshiro is the executive director at Hawaii Kids Can and creator of the program called Hawaii Tutoring Plus. And I want to thank you, David, for joining us today. And of course, Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to Bite Mars Cafe. Join us next week when we will find out about a new picture project called J-Star X. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarscafe.org. Our engineer is David Chong, and, our, and of course, you can catch us on HPR1 every Wednesday or anytime via the HPR app or your favorite podcast application. In the meantime, you stay safe, you stay awesome. We'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. Bite Marks Cafe.